in case you missed it, my book Anatomy of Abundance hit the market and it is officially an Amazon bestseller. We couldn't have done it without your help. Thank you for being here and supporting me. If you haven't picked up your copy, pick it up today. Learn how to transcend the limits of scarcity and rewrite your life's narrative, transforming it into a story of boundless prosperity and fulfillment with Anatomy of Abundance. Join renowned author Petrina Wisdom and 16 Brilliant Minds on a Transformative Journey. Discover awe-inspiring narratives and empowering strategies to attain abundance in relationships, career, health, and wealth. Every purchase breathes life into a remarkable cause, donating book proceeds to the Shine Organization. Shine Organization empowers sex trafficking survivors to break free from scarcity, fear, and past traumas, and boldly create their own unique path to abundance through entrepreneurship. Buy your copy today. You're listening to Fuck Being Stuck, the podcast where we spotlight women who've gone from managing to mastering life's challenges and the badass practitioners that are changing the way we heal. I'm Dr. Sabrina Nicole, psychologist, coach, author, and speaker. But more importantly, I'm a woman who had my own journey to mastering chronic pain. You don't need to be stuck anymore. Fuck that. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited you're joining me today. Today's episode is all about grieving our former selves and just grief in general. And with me today, I have my guest, my friend in my head, and now my real friend, Gina Maffa. She's a licensed psychotherapist, mental health educator, and media consultant in New York City. In practice for nearly two decades, she's helped thousands of people seek treatment for trauma and grief, as well as challenging life experiences and transitions. This includes work with Holocaust survivors at the 92nd Street Y, as well as being a clinical director for a Mount Sinai Hospital outpatient program specializing in addiction. She received her master's degree in social work with a specialty in trauma from NYU. Welcome, Gina. Hi, Sabrina. Oh, this my is gosh. years in the making. Since COVID. <laughs> We've been trying to get face to face in some way. This is going to be, this is it for now. It's so true. Eventually, we'll do the in person. (laughs) For now, it is. You used to be 10 blocks away from me. I know. Our offices were so close together, and we had so many opportunities, but we're going to make it happen. (laughs) For sure. So, welcome, Gina. So, where do we even start? So, you're a grief therapist. It's funny, so many people run from grief. And here you went toward it to be a grief therapist. Sure do. Yeah. You know, it didn't start out that way. I feel like I'd landed in it. I just fell Mm -hmm. over into grief. You know, working with trauma for so many years, it's really hard. And even, you know, substance use disorder, any kind of trauma, any kind of substance use, it's there's grief there. And it's really interesting how few people really talk about that. And so, you know... It's not a far cry, you know, grief mm-hmm. is trauma's sister. And and yeah, so I kind of fell into it. Like, why are we not talking about loss? Why are we not talking about how so many people are collectively grieving all the time and that most mental health challenges have grief in them? Wow, I never thought of it that way. And usually when we think of grief, we think of like someone dying. And really, there's so many other things that we're grieving. Oh, yeah. I think especially since covid 
most of the more common types of loss that we are all really dealing with are everyday things, right? Loss of friendship, breakups, loss of livelihood, job promotions being overlooked, you know, fertility challenges, mm-hmm. losses of pets. You know, there's so many things that are non-death related that we go through, you know, even grieving mm. things we never had, you know, relationships that we wish we could have had with a parent that they're just not capable of giving us or a loved one of any kind, a relationship with a man that just can't do it. You know, there's so much grief in this. And I think that it really took COVID for us to be able to all see that there's grief everywhere. To live is to grieve, you know, and and I'm just grateful to be a part of that conversation now. Wow. So what has been your your personal journey? Because we, you know, we have the the knowledge and the training, like I'm trained as a psychologist, but then there's me actively dealing with my own psychology and working through my own stuff. So how has your work helped you with your own grief process throughout your life? I think it's actually the other way around. I think that I didn't really understand grief until I lost my mother. And, you know, that was in uh 2016. And so I, you know, I think that what it did was it made me so much more compassionate. It made me really understand the nuances of loss in ways that I hadn't thought of before. You know, we think of loss and grief as just emotional and an emotional experience like sadness or anger, fear, you know, denial. But the truth is, is it's a full body experience and it shows up physically so much more than any of us really understand. And to go towards it with any cognitive process just isn't touching it. And so I learned that after losing my own mother. And so I I want to say that I had great intentions and I cared very much and I was really well-educated and trained, but I didn't understand the things that I now understand having endured loss and having my own experiences. So, And I talk about that in the book. It's kind of a funny thing, you know, when a grief therapist gets grief wrong, you know, or (laughs) like doesn't really understand it until, and and it wasn't my first loss, of course, but it was the the most profoundly life-changing loss. Yeah. I think there comes a time, you know, when life does it to you, you then become aware that you really don't know it all, even with all the special training. Yep. And being able to say that, like, I don't know it all. I'm still figuring it out, fine-tuning how it looks, how it feels for me and and how to help other people through it with with your new knowledge, you know, from your own experience. Yeah, and the experience that I learned, I'm sure you understand this too. We learn from our clients mm-hmm. and patients too, you know, and and observe it all and and really take it in and so I feel like I'm always a student of grief no matter what. <laughs> always a student whether it's my own stuff or the people I'm working with. It's so I mean, you have to be the water, you know, you've got to be that flexible, being willing to not know it all. Yeah. And I think by talking about grief, we make it more, we normalize it like it's okay. Like we're all going through the layers of grief every day. We just don't call it that, you know, sometimes we're calling it a feeling, anger, you know, or sadness or anxiety. So I think it's so, the work you're doing is, is just so needed you know, and your voice out there to let people know that it's okay to call it what it is and to allow yourself yeah. to go through the process. Thank you. Yeah. And we're meeting today on oh. National Grief Awareness Day. And so it's really, really important. <laughs> 
you know, this is probably the most important day to, to talk about grief and how we have to learn and do better for each other and, and learn to show up and, and learn to check in with ourselves and say, you know, what are we carrying that's, that's a grief today? What, what am I grieving today? What am I longing for? So often we just keep moving and we don't really take that time to, to honor our losses and all of their different forms. Yeah. I have a friend who um, she often posts on Facebook, you know, she lost her brother and her father very close together. And, you know, when she's having a moment, she'll post and she'll say, I know everybody's tired of hearing about it. I'm like, stop saying that. Just say it because her saying it gives other people permission to be like, okay, it's okay to still be grieving. You know, your grief may feel different from day to day. It does feel it from hour to hour sometimes. But yeah, I love that at least she's posting, you know, a lot of people would say, or a lot of, you know, my clients too would be like, Mm. just keeping it in or, you know, isolating or feeling ashamed that it's still bothering them and hurting them. And I think at the end of the day, like that's courageous because what she's doing is giving permission for other people to still be in their experience. And that is the way that we make change in the world by that courageous outreach. I'm thinking back to like the work that I do, you know, with kids and So if the adults aren't handling their grief well and, you know, pushing everything down and then you work in a school with children who are then now experiencing grief and the adult's reaction is to tell them to to stop, stop crying. We just want to get back to the regular routine. So what are some tips would you give to, you know, people that work with children because they're doing their automatic reactions and we, we don't want the children to follow them. We want them to be able to be honest and share how they're feeling without everyone else being anxious <laughs> about their expression of grief. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, one of the things that I always say to parents is that when you hide your struggles, you're teaching your children to hide their struggles. And so one of the really, one of the most important things to do is obviously age appropriate, but to be as honest as possible. If you're sad, to share that you're sad. If you're crying, to say it's okay that we cry sometimes if we have feelings. And if you need medication, not to say it's vitamins, you know, but to say, you know, sometimes mom needs help with, with, you know, feeling better and it's okay. And I think if we could normalize feeling bad, quote unquote, or feeling you know, challenging emotions or whatever our struggles may be, we give children permission to not hide away. And that's really, you know, one of the things we always say, how does stigmatization start? It's because we are hiding. We're hiding individually and we're hiding collectively. And if we could just come out of that darkness and stop hiding and cloaking whatever we're experiencing, our children won't be able to, they won't be holding on to it. They'll be allowing those feelings to come and go without gripping them and turning them into something that becomes a disorder later on. But if we could normalize that it's okay to feel sad after a hard day, or it's okay to grieve after the loss of something, these are normal things. And if we could do that and really model it for them, not just say it, but model them because children watch us. They don't just listen, they watch. They can read that energy. They can tell when there's tension in the room. You know, children are so much smarter than we give them credit for. They're so much more aware and tapped in and tuned in. And we treat them like they aren't. And, you know, we dumb dumb things down. We think that we're protecting them. And I understand. And of course, there's a balance, right? We don't want to dump everything on our children. And I think, 
it's really about how aware we are of what we're experiencing and also just getting the help that we need and showing that it's okay to do that. And so I think if it's, whether it's grief, trauma, something really painful, whatever it may be that somebody is coping with, to be honest with your child appropriately, but to be honest. So let's talk. Okay. We didn't talk yet about the book. Tell us, share the title of the book. Sure. So I just wrote a book. It's seven days. It's uh, out a week uh, in the world. Um, Her name is Moving On Doesn't Mean Letting Go, A Modern Guide to Navigating Loss. Yeah, it's so surreal. But I wrote the book because I felt like we really needed to touch upon this fast-paced lifestyle. You know, we're in the age of the seven-second reel. People don't want to just be told that they're going to grieve as long as they can grieve and that it will be messy and, you know, they will feel bad as long as they do. People need tools and people want to know how to meet their grief and engage their grief in their real life. So whether it's how to date after loss, how to be married after loss, how to, you know, um, know what your needs are, how grief shows up in our bodies, how to understand if we have trauma in our lives and in our grief you know, how to say no to events that we don't want to go to or that we might not be ready for, you know, how to show up in friendships. And, you know, so to me, it's really a book on how to teach people about their grief, help them understand what they're experiencing, help them meet their real life, give them tools to get through it. I also share about my own story of loss and, you know, being a therapist at the time of losing my mother and what that was like. Yeah, but I wanted something that fit our new lifestyle. I feel like post-COVID, life has just been moving so fast and so many of us are really suffering without knowing how to meet it and show up for it. And and so that's, yeah, that's pretty much my hope for the book. And so now she's out in the world and God willing, winds up where, you know, her highest good will be, you know, created and hopefully lands in the hands I of people. That's who need great it. To, that it's more of like a how to, um, and it covers all those different aspects of grief and loss. Yeah. And especially teaching about different types of losses that we don't always associate as loss. Like we were talking yeah. about earlier, feels really important that people understand what they're experiencing. Exactly. Exactly. And as you mentioned with the fast pace that everything goes in, it's almost like we don't even pause long enough to grieve the loss of our former selves, whether that's, you know, a body that's aging and not moving the way that it used to, or just you look around and the people that were with you when you were younger, you know, have their own lives and are, are into other yeah. things. So I think it's, it's so important to, um, to be able to connect because everything really, the body keeps the score as that book was called, right? Uh, you know, our bodies sure. will, will hold on to things and it'll be manifested in, in some other way. Yeah. Grief is surely one of those things in addition to trauma. Yeah. So how do we even start to move through, you know, there's the grief, like, you know, when you acknowledge and realize what has happened, whether it's a death or you're like, okay, this relationship is over. What are some of the first steps, uh, some of the tips you would give someone who just is in the realization that they they're either someone has is passed or a relationship has ended when they're in that moment of where things start to feel really heavy, really fast. What are some of the mm-hmm. first few things you would tell someone to do? I always say in the very first stages, so I call this moment that you just described the grief fall because it's the moment that you have that phone call, the moment that the realization comes to you that nothing will be the same. 
And to me, it's the portal of grieving. And what happens is that we're in a state of shock. And so what usually goes out the window first is our self-care, our physical self-care. So I always say when you're in the beginning of this kind of now what, what's next stage of entering that portal of grieving is really making sure that you are taking care of your body. And that can be as simple as making sure that you are eating, even if you're not hungry, protein, that you're drinking enough water, that you're moving your body, taking a walk, doing yoga, whatever it is, that you're moving your body and that you're resting your body. After that, it's really hard because everyone has a different thing, right? So if you have to take care of pragmatic things like funeral planning and cleaning out someone's house, you know, you you need the endurance. Grief takes endurance. So that's why I always start with making sure because when we're in a state of grief, usually our self-care goes out the window. We're distracted, we're in shock, we have we lose our appetite, we lose our ability to sleep or maybe we sleep too much. You know, that's where grief becomes mm. a really physical experience and that's where people don't recognize that. That particular stage specifically. And so as as simple or you know, lame, I guess, as it may sound, it's taking it to basics to remind yourself every day, okay, I heard Gina on a podcast and I've got to drink water today. I've got to drink water with lemon. So I get a little vitamin C too in there. And, you know, and to make sure that I'm continuing to do that because as I move forward in my grief process, it will take a lot out of my body. And what will make it worse is if I'm crying and I'm really devastated and now I'm depressed and I'm anxious and my body doesn't have any more energy or any more strength to endure it. And so it's, it is the most important, the simplest, but the most important thing to start with. Thank you. That is so, grief takes endurance. Wow. Yeah. It's one of the things I feel like nobody knows about grief until you're grieving. It's exhausting. It takes so much out of you and nobody usually knows what to do then. And, and that's why it's important. Just take it back to basics. So you call that phase the grief fall. Okay. I do. And that's the first phase. It's, it's, yeah. it's like a free fall. Yeah. It's like a free fall. You know, you, you get that news and you feel your, your body just like free falls and you have no idea where you're going to land. You have no idea what's next. You can feel your stomach in your throat. And that to me, mm-hmm. it's that one moment where you just know that this day is going mm-hmm. to change everything and nothing is ever going to be the same. So yeah, I call it the grief fall. It's my first first wow, chapter of my book. And that's the perfect description for it. Cause you know, you hear those other phases of grief, but when you hear fall, like that's how it really feels. I think people yeah. can really identify with that and connect with that. So how many phases do you have? Um, how many chapters in the book? Oof, that's a good question. I haven't, I don't remember anyone asking me that. Um, I think I have 13. With the with the uh, conclusion, yeah, I don't have phases per se, but they're really experiences that everybody mm-hmm. kind of goes through in the grief process. So I have two parts of the book. The first part of the book okay. is the inner grief journey. It's you know the body, the trauma, the the grief fall, the learning about your your experience, the learning about what you're grieving or understanding if you may be grieving more. After that, I have navigating the outer world. 
while you're grieving. And that is stuff like platitudes where I talk about people giving platitudes like, you know, heaven gained another angel or another angel has its wings and you're like, great. Or when people say, you know, your mom's in a better place and it's like, is she? Like, the better place would have been here with her family whom she loved. And, you know, like, it would have been better for her. You know, it's not comforting when people give platitudes if they're not connected to something mm. loving and and authentic. And so I talk both to grievers, but I also have a special part of the chapter where I talk to people who are supporting somebody grieving, where I actually help them learn how to be a better supportive person and teach them of things to say and how to approach a griever. So it's a, it's a special little part where I'm saying, hello, I'm Gina. Thanks for being here with us, you know, and, and this part is for you because I know how hard it is to show up for somebody and it's clumsy and awkward and we don't know what to say. And yet we have an opportunity here that could go two ways that we don't connect with them because mm. we're so scared of saying the wrong thing that we don't even show up in the right way or as us. Or we have the opportunity to just be honest and say, wow, this is really hard. I can't imagine what you're going through, but I care and I'm here. And if you want to talk, I'm here. And hey, why don't I drop off some food for you in the morning? I'll leave it outside your door if you don't even want to talk. But really how we show up can make or break both a relationship, but also somebody's grieving experience because we don't want somebody to feel even more isolated. That's so true. We need you to share more about this, Gina. <laughs> Because it really is, you you don't always know what to say. It's funny because I had a, a friend of mine, I went to visit her in Minnesota and um, we went where the George Floyd Memorial was and I didn't realize how emotional that was going to be with for me. Yeah. And I just totally fell apart. And she just said to me, yeah. you know, I don't know how it feels to be a person of color who's now here, ex you know, who's seen the experience and now you come here. But you know, if you want to talk, you know, I can listen. And it was just so simple. And that's what made all the difference. Yeah, you know, well like, done. I was like, oh, my gosh, my friend, Julie, yes. when she listens to this. She's gonna, oh, my Julie, gosh, she just, it great just job, opened Julie. my heart. It we just opened my heart so much because I was like, wow. Because she was like, I really don't know what it's like, but I'm here. And I was like, I can't ask for anything more than that. That's it. The presence. Yeah. Yeah, just that loving space holding, that loving presence, that is what we need in the world. That is what we need more of because we're not going to really – we can never be in someone else's shoes no matter what the circumstances are. We never really understand, but what we can do is show up with love and we can try to understand as best we can. But even in that rare case, you know, of we understanding, it's most important that somebody mm -hmm. feels connected to and seen in whatever their experience is. So thank you, Julie. Please teach people more of that. Exactly. We need this. Exactly. And what are some other suggestions that you have for people that are trying to comfort someone who's grieving? Yeah, I mean... I think that we also shy away from, if it's a death-related loss, I think we shy away from talking about mm -hmm. the person who's died and we we because we don't want to upset the person grieving. We think that we're going to remind them of their loss when in reality, we're, mm -hmm. we're always thinking about our loss. <laughs> it's not something we forget about conveniently. So I always say, you know, if you're close to that person or not, say like, what is, you know, hey, what's some good, what are your favorite memories or how is it, you know, how is your grief today? Like, tell me about your mom. Tell, you know, 
I didn't really get, I didn't really get a chance to hear about your mom much. Like, tell me about her. What was she like? You know, that kind of a thing, you know, is really important because it, it validates our loss, but it also validates Mm -hmm. our love and our relationship. And, and that's really one of the more important things, especially in death related losses. But, you know, I think that it's really about kind of the balance of being ourselves, right? If somebody comes to me and they're talking to me in platitudes and they're one of my close friends, I'm going to feel so isolated because I'm going to be like, okay, I just lost my mom and I'm in this free fall. And now this friend who was always one of my really great, amazing friends is now like a body snatcher. I don't know what they're talking about. This is not my friend, like this weird platitude, you know, talking in cliches and quotes that it doesn't make me feel comforted because I don't recognize that Mm -hmm. in the person. So I always say, show up as you. If you are sarcastic and snarky, (laughs) it's okay to show up that way to your friend because we want somebody, you know, like, like you're having a great day, you know, whatever it is, you know, if you have that relationship with them, show up as you are in that relationship because that sense of continuity is a comfort for somebody who's now in the throes of an incredibly foreign landscape that grief can throw us in. And so be you, be you in your friendship. However it is you know that person, show up as you. (sighs) Don't worry about saying the wrong thing. Just be you. Wow. Just be you. Oh, boy. (laughs) What a... Seems easy yeah. enough, right? Why are we still so bad at it? <laughs> we make things more complicated, I think, because we make it too cognitive instead of just coming down to, to being with ourselves. Yeah, yeah. heart-centered. Yeah. Huh. Well, that's why I count on podcasts like you and, you know, and other people to help spread these messages because it is so important that we show up better for each other. Because when other people can show up for us, it teaches us how to show up for ourselves too. And it gives us permission to be present with our own pain. And so we really, I count on these messages being, you know, echoed throughout the land, as one would say. Wow. I mean, grief is this universal experience. Everyone's going to be touched by it. No one gets away scot-free when it comes to either, you know, grieving or one day being grieved. So how do we even start to, I don't know, make sense of this journey of life that we know is going to come to an end one day? Oh, Sabrina, (laughs) that's the hardest question that I've ever been asked. How do we make sense of this journey that will come to an end one day? I think I'm still trying to do that. Good. I Um, want people to know that. I think, you know, it's like you said before, one minute at a time, one day at a time, right? It's, it really is. I think, you know, look, at the end of the day, it's, it's being open to always learning, being open to always connecting. I think, you know, we're so busy doing and we're not really, I think as humans, if I'm going to get sort of existential, like all of our priorities are all mixed up. And, you know, if we really think about it, you know, I think about the people in hospice and, you know, even my own mother, you know, at the end of our lives, the thing that matters most is the way that we loved and, and how we were loved and the connections that we've made. And, and that is the legacy that matters. It isn't that we, you know, we're able to buy a yacht or, you know, whatever it may be that we hit a million dollars. 
we all know that none of that, and we and we know that intellectually, but we never know it enough to take it in and make changes because we're always striving. We're in the manifestation world, you know, where it's it's everybody wants material things, but at the end of the day, you know, grief is about loss and why it's the universal human wound and and why it's such a mystery is because it is the deepest deepest mm. longing and yearning that a human being can have is to grieve and yet we learn this lesson over and over and over again always looking and looking for the wrong things to connect to and then we we wait until we don't have something or someone and we we miss it and we long for it. And I say, you know, of course we will because that is grief. But what if we could spend our lives prioritizing love and connection and community and showing up and presence and authenticity and true love in the real word, the purest form of it for one another as humans? What would it be like then at the end of our lives? And and so I don't know about you, but I, I struggle with this, but I am I'm trying. I'm hooked and hoping. Yeah, it's kind of like you gotta go back to the heart because for some reason we forget so easily. Over and over and over. And go back to, you know, the way things were yeah. instead of being present and realizing that. Even with grief, love transcends all of that. Like that's something that would be carried for yeah. forward. It really, yeah, for sure. All right. So we're going to practice what we preach. We're going to be doing some presence and have a face-to-face <laughs> meetup soon. We sure are. We must. We must. It's so true. I Well, I, I haven't been able to figure out where you are in the world. Where in the world is Sabrina Crouch? <laughs> For sure, though. I'll be still for a little while so we can catch up. Um, Any final words for our listeners? Good. Uh, Well, first, thank you for sticking this out with us and and for being here in a topic that is not always pleasant and it's not sexy, but it's true and it's um, something we'll all, you know, be dealing with together. So it's, it's thank you for being here. Go gently if you're grieving something, you know. Just be gentle with yourself and only, you know, ask of yourself what you would ask of someone you deeply love. And, you know, be as tender as possible when you're tending to your, you know, painful emotions or physical experience. And if you need help in any way, don't be afraid to reach out for it. We are not islands and grief is not supposed to be dealt with and endured alone. And if you aren't sure about therapy, check out my book. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's kind of a first step towards therapy from a therapist, but you're not really, you know, in it. But yeah, if if that helps, just check out my book, Moving On Doesn't Mean Letting Go. And um, I'll be there with you. Thank you so much, Gina. And Gina's contact information will be in the show notes and more information about her book, which I have to get. Thank you so much for doing this and oh, having me welcome. today. All right, that's it for today's episode. Please write us a review and... Follow the show. Thanks so much for tuning into Fuck Being Stuck, the podcast. Be sure to check out the show's notes for this episode on www.drsabrinanicole.com and follow us on social media. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. We'll be back next week with more. See you then.